0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship or any anytime at asburybosierre.org.: Country, and, and one of those folks on the text chain is McGgrey De Vega. Uh, many of you have done his studies, uh, and he sent me this text. he goes, "This is the bit addiction for today. Should you want to use it? May this day indeed be a super one." May the love of God be your chief aim. May you discover grace in the thin places as a 49er discovered gold. And may your trust in God be sure and swift. All groans can be emailed to McGray Vega, Tampa Bay, Florida, Hyde Park, United Methodist Church. Uh, We conclude our series today on The Grace of Les Miserables. Uh, Last time, uh, we talked about poverty as being one of the characters of this story, though unnamed, that uh, poverty touches every character in the story in some way, as it does us. And today, we also talk about another character, does not have a proper name, but throughout this story, and it's not in the musical at all, but throughout the story that Victor Hugo places, there are these reminders of God's grace these moments throughout the story. And those moments are explained and they're personified, uh, well, uh, they're represented uh, with gardens. Throughout the story, characters find themselves in gardens uh, throughout. And these gardens all represent a different way that we understand the grace of God. So we're going to dive into that today. Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 John, the fifth chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible or your Bible app. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this. That we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, what comes to mind when you think of a garden? Do you think of vegetables? Do you think of flowers? Do you think of something that gives you peace, a place of meditation? Do you think, I don't have a green thumb, so therefore I will never have a garden? If you're at Asbury, it won't be long if someone mentions garden that you start to think about our own prayer garden. And I do, I think our prayer garden is one of the best kept secrets in Bosher. I was going to invite you to go check out the garden today. I'd, let me amend that. I don't think today is the day to spend some time in our prayer garden. I mean, maybe. Um, If you've never been to our prayer garden, please go. It's it's a beautiful place uh, of peace, of meditation. It's a place uh, to reconnect with God. Uh, And I have the great fortune of being here on campus during the weekend, spending time uh, in the prayer garden. I highly uh, recommend that you do that. Um, Several years ago, uh, we had to replace, uh, one of the the things I think is most beautiful in the garden is we had to replace uh, the bridge that was over the pond. Uh, one year, and we started doing the conventional, right? When trustees met, and we wanted to get bids of folks who could repair the bridge and this kind of thing. Uh, and then Pastor Tim Barnes, bless his soul. Uh, no, he's great. He's he's down south uh, at St. Matthews uh, in Metairie. Tim had this great idea. He Goes instead of like doing things conventionally, like we normally do them. Why don't we invite congregation members to help us repair this bridge? And what we asked, we asked families, specifically children, uh, to take planks, two-by-fours, and to write an encouraging word on them, whether it be scripture or a design or poetry or something that was meaningful to them. And if you go to the prayer garden today, we repaired the bridge with words of hope. And I think that is just a beautiful thing, and what a great legacy uh, for us. I love that in order to get into this garden, into this place, into this uh, uh, space to reconnect with God, you have to walk through hope in order to get there. Uh, so if you need a moment with the Lord, <laughs> not on a day where, where hail is coming, but I invite you to walk through hope to find the presence of God. Not only did it meet our need for repair, but it was beautiful, it was communal, it was communal and it was an exercise in hope. Gardens play a particular and curious role In this story today. And although it's not a character per se in the story, it does represent throughout the story what the characters are doing, who the characters are. At the beginning of the story, Monsieur Bienvenu, who is the the priest that changes Valjean's life, the garden in his life at the very beginning of the story represents peace. It represents compassion. the, the the priest offering grace to Valjean was part of his nature, and the garden he spent every day in the garden. And when you are at that kind of peace with yourself and with your God, offering grace to even criminals is second nature. In this case, that garden represents Eden. It represents this ideal communion with God, a place of peace, a place of harmony. We United Methodists uh, are a lot of things, for good and for ill. uh, But one thing we should certainly be is a champion of grace, of understanding grace, learning how to share grace, and how God offers grace in the world. Briefly, grace can be understood as three different scenes of one same story. First, God loves you even before you know who God is. God moves toward you before you know to move toward God. God has called you by name before you even know your own name. That is provenient grace. But the story isn't finished. Jesus shows us how to live, how to die, and shows us that God's promises can be trusted because of the affirmation of the resurrection. That is the justifying grace, the work of God in the person of Jesus. But wait, there's more. The story isn't finished yet. The sanctifying grace of God is the power of the Holy Spirit to equip us to follow the teachings of Jesus. So that not only through faith are we connected to God, but we are also transformed. The priest's garden represents that over time through prayer and meditation and peace we become a different person so that anger frustration and jealousy become old acquaintances that we just can't place anymore his garden reminds us of when we walked with god in the cool afternoon breeze without shame or compromise After, are you hearing that? Is that, I think the microphone is, okay. It's bothering me. I don't know if it's bothering you. Moving on. Uh, In the story, after Valjean meets the priest, and and the priest essentially saves his life, Valjean seeks uh, cover in a convent. He has adopted Cosette, and he's running from Javert. He's running from the law. While he is there at the convent, he becomes, wait for it, a gardener. But this garden for Valjean doesn't represent peace or an idyllic situation or, or compassion even. It represents hard work. Daily he is in the garden. He is tilling the soil. He is earning his keep. And sometimes grace works like that. In the church we have, we have what's called the means of grace. They're the means whereby we connect with God. Prayer, fasting, Bible study, Holy Communion, worship, singing in the choir. All of these things that begin to transform who we are. And sometimes it's not easy. John Wesley, the founder of the church, he went begrudgingly to a Bible study. And there his heart was finally strangely warmed. This garden is a garden of hard work. It's a garden of toil. It is a garden of grace, but is a daily activity with God. I was never a bad student. I was always like a B, B plus kind of student, right? Um, but I never really enjoyed reading or writing much. Uh, I think it was once I read The Hobbit in sixth grade, I didn't read another book cover to cover until like Beowulf when I was a senior. You know, I got by, I figured it out. This is not a lesson for you. Daddy's open in his closet a little bit. But wait, it, it, it'll end okay. It'll end okay. Um, so um, uh, so I, I got by. I figured it out. Um, you know, I'm, and it's because my, I, I, don't re- I don't read very quickly. Uh, I'm the kind of guy when, when someone shows you a joke on their phone, like everyone around you laughs about two seconds before you get to the end. Right? That's me. It, it just takes me a long time. So reading and writing, I was never a bad student, but I was always a curious one. And when you're a curious student, you don't sit still well. So things like writing or reading, you know, the things that you have to, like, sit and do, just don't come naturally. So when I was graduating high school uh, and my dad says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to major in vocal music, right? I want to be a performer. Yes, it's because I love music, but also you're not reading and writing a whole lot (laughs) As, as as a singer, you know. Uh, I love it. When we went to LSU for spring testing before you go, uh, my dad walked with me to the Honors College to like check it. He was like, hey, don't you want to check out the Honors College? I'm like, sure. So we went there, and the first person I met said, hey, not only do we talk about the Iliad and the Odyssey, but we read the Iliad and the Odyssey, and sometimes in Greek. <laughs> nope, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Like, how, how adorable that he thought that that was the selling point. Right, you know, not only do we talk about it, we read it, and sometimes in Greek, you know, not it would look. It's for some, not for me. I read reading is a um, reading a challenge. So near the end of undergrad, I remember telling my mom, you know, Mom, I, th- I think I'm I think I'm being called into ministry. And she's like, um, you are aware that in order to be a pastor, you have to read and write all of the time. Like, yeah, Mom, God, forget it. Like, like I know. Yeah. So I went to Duke Divinity School, very proud, as you do when you go to Duke. When you graduate Duke, you get a degree in pretension. You know, you just you, they give you two things. One of them is for free. Um, so you, you go, and my first grade was a D. As in, dang it, I've made a very big mistake. So I spent oh I was like, and so I spent the entire first semester in the Center for Theological Writing. That's where they put you when you make a D on your first grade. Like, hey, boy, do we have a position for you, right? You have this whole Center for Theological, and I worked my sanctifying grace butt off in this theological uh, school for writing. And then at the end, at the end of it all, this was great. I remember calling my mom and saying, Mom. I'm under contract to write a book through Abingdon Press based on To Kill a Mockingbird. And I'm glad, like, (laughs) she was sitting. It's like, wait, 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 wait. You're writing a book about a novel that I'm not even sure you've read. You are a walking testament to God's grace. And I think I am. And so are you. There's a way in which God is working through you, whether it is a place of peace, a place of sanctuary, a place of harmony, or maybe this grace that you have discovered takes a lot of hard work where you are tilling the soil, but at the end of it, it is so fruitful and life-changing and a place of beauty. The priest's garden represents peace, Valjean's garden represents hard work, but then there are the Uh, two lovers of the story, Marius and Cosette, they fall in love and they rendezvous together, wait for it, in a garden. And this garden is unkept, it is unruly, it is wild, it is organic, it is not trimmed, it is not planned, it is not cultivated. And that represents their affection for each other. It is on fire. And sometimes God's love is also reckless. God's grace reaches out to us, and we are surprised by it. And it is organic, and it is unplanned. Sometimes it could be peaceful. Sometimes it's hard work. And sometimes it catches you utterly by surprise that God loves even me. For those living on the street in Paris, the gardens represent God's providence, the grace through God providing. It's not peace, it's not hard work, it's not this reckless abandon. It's where they foraged for food and where they found shelter in the evenings. But here's the lesson that Victor Hugo wants to communicate about that, is that during the skirmish of 1832, all of the community gardens were closed. Because, friends, when we are at war with each other or with God, it is very, very difficult to provide for our neighbor. Gardens also represent the grace of God's providence. And then we get to the end of the story. <laughs> um, and this is not in the musical, but it's, it's in the book. There's this great wedding, well, there, there is a mu- the, uh, wedding in the musical, but Marius and Cosette are married. Valjean has been reconciled uh, to, to the family, and it's just great. To love another person is to see the face of God. Do you hear the people sing? In the story and in the musical, there's this, this picture of hope and this picture of beauty, and uh, whether you're walking in the valley or you're on the, the heights of the mountain, God is there and, and tomorrow comes, right? And then there's this very tiny hint very small detail at the very end of the story, after this wedding and after this beautiful picture of hope, there are two children begging at the gate of a garden, which means our job is not yet done. Our job is not yet finished. Please let us not go back to before the war. And the skirmish After the resurrection and the Gospel of John, uh, Peter and several of the other disciples, they go back to fishing. Uh, and I don't blame them. I mean, now they have seen like something the world has never seen, and, and, and Jesus has presented himself before them, and it's almost like they, they just don't know what to do with that. What, what do we do with this? So they, they go back to what, what they know. They, they go back to fishing. But the problem is they're fishing for the wrong things. <laughs> they go back to their day job. And Jesus meets them and says, you haven't caught anything, have you? you know, friends, when, 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 we go, when we go back, as if like the resurrection didn't happen, if we go back, as if we aren't people of hope and grace and peace, if we go back to fishing, Jesus reminds us that it is fruitless. You haven't caught anything, have you? He's not angry. He's not mad. Well, if you don't catch anything, I'm good. No, it's not working, is it? Peter recognizes that it is God through Christ that is speaking to him. They went back to the familiar. And sometimes the familiar doesn't work. It's not that we throw away the past. We've learned a lot. And the disciples knew a lot about fishing. It's just that they were fishing for the wrong things. They had to redirect where they were going. They had to take advantage of these gardens, as it were. They had to take advantage of the grace that God had offered to them. And there was this temptation to go back. They needed to spread the gospel. They needed to share that Jesus was alive. In terms of moving forward... Uh, This week, I have an opportunity to go to what's called Exploration. It's a recruiting event in the United Methodist Church for 18 to 26-year-olds. I'm not a participant. Uh, It's a a recruiting for 18 to 26-year-olds of those who are interested in ministry. God bless them that the Holy Spirit is upon them, and they want to serve the church. But people like me are going to this place to offer them encouragement, to speak with them, to listen with them, to ask challenging questions. In this post-COVID world, there is no playbook. I'm going there to learn. And I also want to learn from you. So we're gonna do something in a moment. Uh, we're gonna do what's called a Mentimeter. And I know that not everybody, it's not everybody's thing. But what we're going to do, I want to learn from you. These are the questions that I'm going to be using this week as we go to exploration to talk about these folks who are interested in the church. There are three questions I want you to consider. It'll be on the screens, and you're going to use your phone to vote. So if your phone is somewhere hidden, you you have my permission to take it out. This is going to be fun. This is going to be great. Uh, This is part of that presentation. I want to learn from you as I will be learning from them uh, this week. Now, we're not, don't, um, we're not talking about the metaverse today, so everyone calm down, take a breath. We're not doing that. But what I would love for you to do is to uh, point your phone at the QR code that's there, uh, and that will send you to uh, an online survey that we will see the results in real time this morning. In terms of moving the church forward, there are three things that I'm really interested in learning from these young people. And from you. Let's see how it goes. First question, if you, if you want to cycle forward, you have to press the button a couple of times to get there. Well, let's try this one. Let's try this one so that we know that it's working. Okay. When wanting a snack, I prefer something salty, something sweet, or anything, but only after midnight. Like, how would, how would you answer this? It should say on your phone where you can choose one. And if not, that's okay. You can write down your answers later, and, and, and we, we can we can chat about them. I'll give it a second. No late night snackers. You're all lying, by the way. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about truth telling next week. Yeah. And the QR code is still there. If um... okay. Okay. If it's not working for you, I apologize. Oh, we have one. Okay, one truthful person. Yes, good. That's fine. (laughs) So, okay, 21 like salty, 16 like sweet, 17 like sweet. Oh, it's growing. Sweet is growing. Uh, And one brave soul to say, like, I'll eat anything if it's after midnight. Let's go to the next one. Let's try a new question. So when we cycle to the next one, It should reset on your phone. And since this gathering next week will be at uh, Universal, someone's got to do it. Uh, The next question to see if our phones are working is, which do you prefer, this or that, Universal Studios or Disney World? Which one? Give it a second. Good. I like how it's trending. That's good. That's good. Excellent. So you're getting the hang of it. Yeah, if your phone is working, and uh, if the QR, is, QR code is being kind to your phone. Let's get to the questions, though. First question, well, not that one. What makes you curious? What are you curious about? What captures your interest? And what's going to happen is whatever you type in, there will be a word cloud that pops up, and we'll see what the most common answer is. And just as a word of warning, there is no filter. I, 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 there, there is no seven-second delay, friends. Let me just, right? This is live, baby. This is live, so. Ooh, good. Okay. Okay, good. Responses are coming in. What makes you curious? What are you curious about? And It doesn't have to be like a churchy word. What, do you, what, what piques your interest? What do you want to learn more about? What are you curious about? Look at that. Cool, good. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, as words are coming in, people seems to be at the center of it uh, a lot. History. Some words that are not as popular are sociology. Sociology. Okay? Loyalty, afterlife, revelation, movies is there. (laughs) History, people, the world. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. What matters to you? It seems that we're really curious about people and our relationships. So, what has value to you? What do you value? I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, Boyd. No one said the Chiefs. No one has said Kansas City yet. So. Family, faith, God. And someone put curiosity. So now we have this kind of this like inception of a (laughs) going on. Um, Yeah. Honesty, children, integrity. Hmm, what matters? It's also important to see what's not up there. Some words that you might assume that would be on the screen that aren't. Hmm. Third and final question, and then we will move on Where do you find community? Where do you find community? And if you can't read those, I can hardly read them from up here. Uh, And you rank them from first to fifth. Face-to-face gatherings, like a Super Bowl party. Like, is that where you find community? Something like that. Passive social media, which is like TikTok, you know, Facebook. Active social media, which is like Twitch and Discord. And if you don't know what that is, that's fine. Uh, Fourth, the metaverse, Uh, or fifth, something else, anything else. (laughs) Not using your phone in worship, like, that's fine, like, you can put that, we'll just put that up for just a few moments. I'm not surprised that an overwhelming first place is face to face, being with people. Right? How do we find community? There are other questions, uh, and we're gonna we're not gonna show the rest of the rest of that. Um, but the United Methodist Church is asking uh, these questions. They are interested in what our communities are thinking and feeling, especially those uh, from who are young adults who are just starting this, this story of career in and, and their life and being called to the church. We're trying not to put old wine in old wineskins. We're looking for new wine. How not to go back to fishing, but fishing for people so that we will not hear, you haven't caught anything, have you, from our Lord. On Wednesday, this last thing. and we go check our cars to see if the windshield's broken. On Wednesday, we begin a new journey. We'll gather here for dinner, then we'll also gather for worship and prayer. It starts this new season in which we are preparing ourselves for the resurrection of Christ. That journey for you may be a journey of peace. Of compassion. That journey... You might take something on or give something up. It's the season of Lent. Maybe that journey is like that second garden story where it's, it's hard work, but it also brings you in communion with God. Maybe over the next 40 days in the season of Lent, you have no plan. You are living with the Spirit. You're trying to figure out where God is calling you, and it is wild, and it is organic, and it is passionate. Or maybe these next 40 days I'm going to be intentional with my care for my neighbor in whatever way that I can offer that. So I invite you this Wednesday to come back to this holy place as we begin this next journey of how God is calling us to be in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen and Amen. Let us pray.